everybody, and welcome to Nerd to the Third Power, your one-stop shop for all things nerdy and awesome. I will be your host today because it is uh, just me and Brian. What's up, Brian? Hey, <laughs> much. It's nice waking up to an empty studio. Um, and better news, I'm now a level 8 bard. Wow. That's really on topic. Yeah, it's totally on topic. I just I had a D&D session the other day. And my friends are a little bit jealous. Um, during one of the encounters, I had to do like a magical encounter on my own, and the DM and I did it. And the DM was like, "All right, congratulations! You go up a level right now." So I'm uh, like a level ahead, everyone. <laughs> so everyone last night was like, "Well, I'm this, I'm this." I'm like, "I just leveled up again." They're like, "Shut up, Brian!" I was like, "Sorry." <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Bard. <laughs> Be like, no, but talking, it's what I do. It's <laughs> all of my stuff. And now I can have a magical spell where I can just teleport where I want. Shut up, Brian! Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is just the two of us today, um, because we have been abandoned, um, with very little explanation. So, um, hopefully everybody will be back next week, question mark, or next episode, question mark. Um, but for now, uh, you will get to hear Brian and I, in just our opinion, on Suicide Squad, a DC's latest attempt at making an entertaining film. Uh, but before that, there is procedure to follow, and we are going to start, as always, with Ask a Geek. Okay, our first question is from Derek. For Brian, if you could replace Zack Snyder as film runner for the DCU, who would you pick? This is a terrible question to ask because I'm a terrible choice, or I guess a terrible, uh, uh, there's a phrase I'm looking for I can't remember. You're terrible? Yes, but in terms of actually, like, picking good people, you know, uh, and, and, and ter- like, in, like, directors or producers and stuff like that, I have no idea. I have absolutely no clue. Um, I do know that uh, DC has brought Jeff Johns, who's one of their head writers and creative guys. He's sort of stepping in now as he got he got promoted like president or something like that. Um, well, like president of like the film corp, I don't I think, or this president of creative or something like that. President of the universe, maybe. <laughs> Master sure. of the universe. <laughs> um, he man, and. So I know he. I don't know. I don't know when exactly he takes control, or is going to take control, or anything like that. I don't know exactly what his job is going to be. It could just be like looking over people's shoulders, going, "No, stop that." I have no idea. Um, and I have no clue who could take like the reins of something like this. Um, I would go with like Kevin Smith, but that even right now that's a controversial situation. I love Kevin Smith to death. No, don't get me wrong. And he's a big. He's one of the guys that told me. Or got me to sort of uh, accept my geekiness, you know, and kind of own it. And because he he was unabashed, an unabashed geek like that before this. But his latest work nowadays have been really fucking weird. To the point where like I'm not sure I could trust him with the universe. And that's nothing against him, but man, I watched Red State and I watched Tusk and I went, the fuck is this? Each and every time, <laughs> you know. So I've got I've got I've got zero clue who could man a ship. Um, I don't think it's going to be one person. I think that's the problem. I think you need to have, even though this could be dangerous on its own course, you kind of need to have like a creative committee. some A committee you can bounce ideas off of and then hopefully get something straightened out. One person is just, it's too much of a task. 
and we've already seen what has happened so far and you know take whatever opinion you want from it but I can't give you a single name such a terrible answer god you suck <laughs> well uh, we do have uh, one more question which is for me and Skyblaze isn't here um, as a big time Trekkie what job on a starship would you want to do and Brian if you have an answer you are free to answer that um, I would definitely want to be a science officer. Um, I don't know where that puts my likelihood to die on a mission, but I think if you're going to go exploring space, you might as well be one of the people who understands space and wants to explore it. I don't want to be like a, a, a doctor, and I don't want to be an engineer because I don't understand how things work like machines and shit like that. I want to go out into space and do science stuff and explore strange new worlds and meet new life and new civilizations. I want to do the fun stuff. I always thought the, the like the science officers I thought always lived longer until you met like until you got on like the team or away team where you know you suddenly realize that the the person in charge like your or like your commanding officer is kind of nuts. He's like, we have to do this because of reasons of a space god. Talk to me. You're like, oh, shit. <laughs> or... Sir, that, that's not how this works. <laughs> Obey me? No, sir, no. Or another one is like, we shall drill into this planet's core. Won't that destabilize? We shall drill into this planet's core. Like, God damn it. Why, would, why am I on the crazy team? Why can't I be on the cool <laughs> team that's, that's discovering new life? <laughs> I always thought uh, security officers would be good because they're always because I'm terrible as we've uh, that's the uh, that's the running joke of this show and because the security officers on any starship sh- ship is just terrible so I'd fit right in. We're being boarded. <laughs> I got up. Oh, Brian got stunned again. <laughs> and Brian's in the med bay. That's like the eighth time this week. <laughs> Who keeps shooting them? Well, this time it was his own fault. He has to get his legs now asleep. This sucks. This is what I do to people. I'm. <laughs> uh, so together we could do some of the things on a starship. I think if I had to guess for our comrades, hmm, I'd, I'd say I'd say Gonzo would want to be the captain. He'd just he'd just have to be in charge of everything. Yeah, and he's also the only one who's going to crash into a planet. Yeah, I mean, he's the the one who you'd have to take all the crazy orders from, and he would end up destabilizing a planet and tearing apart a civilization. <laughs> because reasons. <laughs> so they, just for whatever. They looked at me funny. They have seven eyes! <laughs> <laughs> Skyblaze. She's... she's... She, could... she might be science officer-ish, or maybe engineering-ish, because she kind of knows... She knows techno stuff. She she knows how to do things. She could be our engineer. Yeah. <laughs> and and John is definitely our red shirt. Oh, poor John. <laughs> he could be promoted to literally anything else if he would show up. Oh, ouch. Sad face. We miss you, John. Oh, we do. It's sad. Anyway, that is all we have for Ask a Geek this week. We are going to not do a uh, random topic this week, just because there's only two of us and that would be kind of silly. 
Um, so that is all for the first half of the show. You can send your, um, where can they send stuff in, Brian? I'm well, not they can good at this part. They, they can send their questions in to uh, uh, our email or on our Facebook page. Uh, the email, I believe, is, uh, nerd, is it doc, I think Dr. Gonzo at nerdofthirdpower.com. And our Facebook page, uh, which we have a link always at the under, at beneath in the description of these uh, videos. Uh, so if you join our Facebook page, like us, uh, you can add on. We have a pin discussion basically going on there. You can always ask a question right there. Um, also, we all ever we have Twitter accounts and things like that. So those are the areas you can you know ask questions to, and we'll try and we'll try to get to them and read them on the air. Yes, what he said. And uh, with that out of the way, we are going to go ahead and start our two-person discussion on Suicide Squad. I can Woo! already tell. I can already tell this is going to be an interesting show. Yes. Um, you, you. I heard. I heard the, the little bit of the salt and dagger in your voice, and I was like, okay, this is going to be fun. <laughs> um. So, Brian, why don't you give us a rundown of the plot, quote unquote plot, quote of unquote plot. Squad. <laughs> So, for anyone who is confused, Suicide Squad is a movie based on a comic book, obviously, about a group of villains that are used basically as a covert ops agency. In the movie, uh, you have kind of a split half. You have a first half that sort of is the collection and introduction of said characters that are involved in the Suicide Squad. From Deadshot, Harley Quinn, Killer Croc, Captain Boomerang, uh, Rick Flagg, who else? Uh, El Diablo... Uh, Slipknot. <laughs> uh, I'll get to that later. Um, <laughs> and so you get their the introduction. And the, well, the Enchantress, yes, but uh, guys, spoiler warning: she's really not a member of the squad. She actually became the villain of the whole story, which which I think is interesting because, like, I don't know who thought that would be. I think someone said was surprised by that, and I was like, I wasn't really surprised because it seems like if you watch sort of the trailers. Like, they're not fighting anything normal, and most of these characters are kind of normal-esque, except for Enchantress. So I was like, you're the bad guy of the bad guys. So what happens was they get them all together, but since the Enchantress is being controlled by Amanda Waller, uh, by her heart that they discovered, she tries to sort of want to free herself from this, uh, from the sort of entrapment, if you want to call it that. Releases her brother, who I... Don't think they ever mentioned his name, and I had no idea who the fuck he is. Um, That's saying I, something. I read somewhere that his name was called Incubus. Really? That was Incubus? I think that's what he's supposed to be. Um, that was just like a thing that I read. I don't know if that's a true thing. Interesting. Because I was okay. So that all right. So that's Incubus. That's why the connection, the brother. Oh, okay. As Brian thinks this over. All right, that makes sense in a past tense sort of way. But what happens is she frees the brother, she sort of frees herself, and then they, their mission, as vaguely as it sounds, is to... Because they were treated like gods before, but now man treats machines like gods. Therefore, she will create a machine to take over the world so they can be treated like gods again. Because that makes sense. No, but... <laughs> <laughs> But it's what they went with. It's okay? what they went. It's what they went with. Um, so as this is all happening, we do have a subplot because you you can't have Harley Quinn without the Joker. 
they are sort of a you it's a two pack you buy one the other one usually will show up in the mail later no one knows what I'm talking about that is an old reference anyway uh, so while they're out on the mission the Joker is trying to find Harley Quinn and basically you know rescue her give her escape and everything like that so that's the subplot and the main plot Obviously, the team goes through it. Members don't survive. That's not a big shock if you ever read the books. Uh, and everything sort of works itself out in the end in a very kind of CGI-esque, over-the-top fight. Now, this is where I'm, I know for a fact I'm going to get so much flack for from possibly you, Cat, and the internet. I didn't hate this film. I kind of had an okay time. Now, I, I actually enjoyed the film quite a bit, but I don't by any means think it was, like, a, a good film. Um, I will add the asterisks. I will add the asterisks. If anyone asks, well, Brian, do you think it was good? <laughs> Not, well, I will say this. I will say it's, like, half of a good movie. It has good parts to it. <laughs> there are good things within the film as a whole. Um, it just didn't quite do it for me, but I still had a good time watching it. Which is, I, I think... I don't regret spending my money. Yeah, which which is, in such a weird way, it's like, that's like the step, it's like a step forward for the, for the DC, universe, DC Cinematic Universe. It's like, okay, we didn't hate the film, still not good, but we don't hate it. So, it's like... It's like a mild victory. It's like winning on a technicality. <laughs> uh, so it, it has gotten totally panned by critics, and a lot of fans have are just absolutely just going apeshit over um, what kind of a disappointment it was. And I think that really comes from how good the trailers looked. Um, but then you sort of feel when you're watching the movie that a lot of the reshoots sort of garbled everything up. There is some of that. I want cuz we you never I have no you never know what a reshoot is going to do for a film. It's literally a 50/50 chance to make it better or worse. Um and for for like fan reaction, I've I've seen more 50/50 than anything else. Um and I don't know maybe just cuz I I wish we didn't bring up critics cuz that just brings up a whole like like oh, a yeah, hornet, we don't, a hornet's we don't have to nest talk of about shit. Them. Yeah. They suck. It's just it's it, it's we had a whole show on it. Go listen to that. It's all sorts of good and fun. Um, but yeah, there is definitely where you can see where the editing has definitely, definitely hurts the pacing and definitely hurts some of the characters. Um, uh, reports of the Joker's character being heavily, heavily weighed down, which I'm actually kind of in favor for. Um, just because the, I understand why the Joker was there, but just for whatever reason, I didn't think like he needed to be there. And since, so he wasn't. So he was kind of a background character. I was like, I can handle that. You know, I'm a little jokered out, if you will. Oh, yeah. I feel the exact same way. I kind of watched it, and I went, um, I, I understand that people want to see the Joker, and that the Joker is is really one of the, the main things that is drawing people in to watch it, because there's just so much controversy of can he measure up to Heath Ledger or, you know, literally anybody else who's played the Joker. So there's a lot of people who have a stake in in the film for the Joker, but you could have not had the Joker in this film at all, and that would have been a perfectly fine film. Or you could have had him only in flashbacks, and that would have been perfectly fine. Yeah, so 
and and it's definitely weird because they they definitely changed up. So like again, so he's not in since the Joker's not in the film. Like for what I saw of it, it's all right, but it definitely looked like they cut away from things that went from probably really over the top. Um, I guess since we sort of talked about the movie a little bit and things like that, and we're talking about the Joker, we'll, we'll start moving our way to the other characters. But, of course, the main character everyone wants to talk about is Harley Quinn, of course. Like, outside of the Joker, she's basically the number one runaway uh, star of the film. Like, from what I gathered when I was watching it, it was really, it was basically, uh, it was Harley Quinn and the Suicide Squad. Like, that's how I sort of read it for a while. Like, she got most of the screen time, most of the backstory outside of, I think, Deadshot. Uh, having yeah, a Deadshot bit of got a lot of screen time, and Deadshot was sort of like the heart of the team, which I thought was, I didn't think it was going to be like that. Um, I didn't realize he'd be sort of like team captain. Um, he, he but, usually, he's usually the le- leader, quote-unquote, oh, of the team. Good, good, good. So that, that, that makes sense. sense. And it's Will Smith, so obviously Will Smith is going to be front and center. Um, right. Um, and then they, they played his character pretty closely, close close to it. The idea of what he does, yeah, he's really good at what he does, but he's trying to, you know, do it for his his daughter more than anything else. Because uh, he absolutely, you know, loves his daughter. And you see it in the film, it's like, the only reason he didn't fight Batman was because his daughter's like, please don't do this. You know, like, just, you know, she doesn't want to see, she didn't want to see him, she knew she killed people, but she didn't want to see it, you know. Have right. that, I guess, that, inner, that innocence. He was like, God damn it, so he surrendered the Batman. But I like the fact that even though he surrendered the Batman, like his fantasy was, I want to get that guy again. <laughs> yeah, his fantasy is to just have him dead on the ground. Um, yeah, I, I really liked uh, Will Smith. I thought he was really great as Deadshot. Um, I had a few issues with Harley. I think everyone um, has a few issues with Harley in one way, shape, and or form. So go ahead. Uh, besides the fact that I don't think her booty shorts even qualify as booty shorts at that point. Um, I just don't think you can qualify those. Um, and it's not even that they basically turned her into a glorified stripper for a large part of the beginning of the film. It's that every time she does something weird, the whole movie stops to look at her. Mm, interesting. And, and it's really strange because everybody else does weird stuff and everybody's kind of crazy. Um, but it's sort of like nobody just stops and goes, wow, you're really fucked up. But it's like everything that comes out of her mouth, people have to stop the entire movie and look at her. And we're and if that was just, you know, like once or twice, I'd be okay with it. But it became very noticeable after a while. And I get it. You want people to pay attention to Harley. You use her in all of your advertising because she's hot. We get it. She's also crazy. You don't have to stop the entire film every time she says or does something crazy. But it really is like this visible pause every time she does something like everybody is just so amazed or so confused or whatever. But these are all like badass, hard-ass, crazy people too. And they don't have to stop every time Harley says a word or does something weird. Mm, very much so, and that and that could just be the their in their attempt to I guess get more humor involved because a lot of the humor, like when the humor looked na- felt natural, it felt good. But there were some really some good some other times where it was kind of tilt your head to the side like a dog, and it 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 is because there does does feel like two 
there's like two versions of this character in that film because you're correct about having everything she does kind of be magnified out. But then at the bar scene, which I think was a fantastic scene, by the way, there, that towards the end where they're sort of all talking about how fucked up they are. Like, I like the idea of just villains sort of realize, knowing that they're villains about it. And at that point, like, she became sort of more of a normal person among them. Because after you hear about El Diablo, and he's and she was like, you have you have to realize that's that's you. You have you had done that. You have to own that. You know, we're all fucked up and ugly, especially Killer Croc. And Killer Croc <laughs> is like, fuck you guys. I'm beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Which so I was someone pointed out to me going, is that the first time like a monster villain character doesn't care he's a monster villain? He actually sort of likes it. And I went, ah, maybe. Possibly. <laughs> Could be. Like, everyone else is sort of brooding over themselves and what they become, and Killer Croc's going, no, fuck it. I'm a giant alligator. Fuck you. <laughs> you know, but that was, like, his only dialogue. Which is good, because Killer... Because, I mean, I like Killer Croc, but I didn't expect him to have a soliloquy at any point in time. So, yeah. if that's his only thing, is like, yeah, I like what I am, and I'm, I'm doing it. You know, I was like, hey, you know, good for you. That's I'm not, I'm not going to do this way. I just wanted literally anything about him. I just any information about him other than that he's a guy who is a metahuman who kind of looks like an alligator kind of and he like what voluntarily stays underwater all the time like we didn't learn anything about him yeah we unfortunately that was didn't that was understand fear. his motivations when he decides to join up at the end after there are like like given the green light to leave and he comes back and there's no explanation same thing with captain boomerang He's a guy, we kind of get that he's a, what type of, like, what archetype he is, what trope he fulfills, but we don't really get to know anything about him. Yeah, unfortunately, Captain Boomerang is in this film as, and this was my biggest fear I had with an ensemble cast like this, and the obviously the whole building up of a universe, is that you're going to get the characters they focus on, and then you're going to get side characters you have nothing about, you know nothing about, or, uh, especially since, uh, he had a cameo. Spoiler: If you don't want to, you haven't seen the film yet. This is a big spoiler coming up. I'll give you th like a couple of seconds to fast forward or pause. Okay, that was your warning because you see him. The, the Flash shows up and stops him. You know, it stops him from running back, and that's how he gets captured. So it feels like, all right, see this character? Kind of cool, right? Well, if you want to know more about this character, come see the Flash movie. It comes out in 2000. You're like, oh fuck, really? You're like we're doing that? <laughs> like we're Talk doing this? Right? Yeah, like we're doing this? <laughs> Like, like, and that's, and that's, and that's, and the same thing with Katana, you know, Katana shows up and like, hi, this is Katana. She's like, hi, I, I have a sword and it's magic. You're like, okay. It's like, well, hold, um, excuse me. Like you weren't here for 45 minutes of this film. Like, where? <laughs> like... And, and I felt like, and I felt this a lot about the character stuff in the film, but Katana's story felt really forced. Um, and, and I felt that way about a lot of the, the character stories that they told was that they told us and didn't show us. Mm -hmm. um, where they, they had to sit down and explain things or narrate things instead of working it into the story naturally. And that, and, and that's, at the yeah. At the beginning when they're reading over the dossiers, I'm kind of okay with that. Um, 
but later in the film when you've got katana and you know it's it's like two people going oh you know what her deal is oh well her deal is this and this and this and that's who she is and that's what she's about and it's like it's so it's just not subtle at all yeah editing editing was definitely a problem um but it's it's so strange because like we we because it makes it sound like you, Brian. You said you enjoyed the you enjoyed yourself. It's like yeah, I did, and I like the characters. But I can't sugarcoat. I can't be blindsided by the fact there's you no know, plot holes upon plot holes, and oh you know, and a and a and a very much you know a non-existent plot going on. Like yeah, I had a good time, but these are the issues we're we're sort of dealing with. Um, and, and and so like you had that, and then like I said, Slipknot shows up and he gets his head blown off. Of course, at the same time though, I feel like I, I saw that coming even before the movie came out. Because I was like, I never never seen Poor you. Guy. I've only seen you in two scenes when you punch somebody and when you do that little flying rope trick. I'm like, you're gonna die because you're yeah. in nothing else. Like you were quite literally in no other scene in these trailers, which is funny because that's actually very reminiscent of the book itself because. Uh, he had a conversation, I don't remember it was a conversation with Captain Boomerang, but there was a conversation where he's like, hey, I'm out, I'm getting out of here, uh, I don't believe these whole bombs in my neck thing, later, boom, oh, everyone's like, okay, so we do have bombs in our necks, that sucks. Like, so that's, it's, like, there's a lot of, like, actual things they took from the series, the old series, and a little bit of the new one that came out in 2011, for the new 52, and so it's, it's interesting that they're being, I guess, kind of close to the source material but they're still it's just never everything just always seems to be a couple steps away from them you know they're not moving forward they're kind of moving side to side and things like that what did you think of uh, Viola Davis is that her name I believe oh as Amanda Waller can she can she be in every movie ever like as Amanda Waller like <laughs> she was so great like <laughs> Waller was like by far the scariest character in this film she she and that's that's how I wanted uh her to be like the whole thing is cuz yeah these are all you know really bad people and Waller's like you're going to do what I say like oh yeah why cuz I said so and like she has a good point like that's like they <laughs> all listen to her you know and in, and it takes a little bit of convincing, but there is this 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 thing of like, because I like that early scene where he's like, uh, Deadshot's listing off all these requests. He's like, and Rick Flagg was like, I can't do that. He's like, I'm not talking to you. I am talking to her. <laughs> I'm talking to the woman in charge. Yeah. <laughs> God, she was. I mean, I don't have a lot of reference for Waller except in the Arrow TV show. Um, and that's my only reference for the Suicide Squad itself. Um, and man, just grade A mega bitch. Full on, like, exactly what I was expecting, exactly what I got. But I liked her a lot more in the film than in the TV show. Because I love to hate her in the film. Because she is just grade A mega bitch quality material. Um, in the TV show, which I just got so sick of her. Yeah, and then that, that's and like and, and this one, it felt, it, it just it just felt right, you know. If that makes any sort of sense, everything she did felt correct. You know, the city got under attack, and she's like, "What's her first thing? Well, self preservation. I got to get these secrets and stuff out of here um, first. 
yes, we will save the city, but I got shit I gotta do. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna send a bunch of crazy people to come and save me, or else I'll kill them. Because I'm not going down alone. And you, and she has so much control. So much control. When her helicopter gets shot down, Rick Flagg's first thing is like, alright, let's go get her. Not, hey, she might be gone and we might all be free. No, it's like, I gotta go get her. Because if she's not dead, she's gonna come back and kill me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what did you think of Rick Flagg? I wasn't sure that I'd like him at first, but I think I ended up liking him by the end. Uh, he, he did alright. Um, I, I guess for what he did, because he was... He was He's supposed to be, like, the good boy soldier kind of guy um, that is in charge of something he really doesn't like because he obviously doesn't like the villains. Uh, but, again, he's doing it because he's sort of being told. And he sort of comes around, too, that, like, maybe he, too, is getting a bit manipulated. Um, he just, unfortunately, I think he just needed a bit more seasoning. There's some some scenes I didn't quite like. Like, I didn't like the fact that, like, like he got told... He didn't tell his troops. Like, my troops super loyal. I can get all this stuff done. But I'm going to lie to them. I was like... That seems odd. Yeah. Like, I thought his... Sort of like uh, like Harley and, and, like, the Joker, like, it was sort of like there were almost two versions of him in the film. And they couldn't quite nail down his character. But I did like a lot of his scenes. I, I think I could identify with him more than anybody else, because I think if I were in charge of all of the nutsos in the world, I'd be really pissed off, too. It's just, like, all the time, yeah. I would, you know, so, again, it's and that goes back to the whole, this is, you know, some, something happened behind the scenes. We don't really know. I, we're never really going to know. Even No matter what reports come out, we're never going to know what gets cut or what wasn't. So, yeah, there's there's stuff going on. Because it, it, it kind of... And, and it kind of goes back to... Um, because I want to go, I'll go back a little bit. I'm backtracking to Harley and Joker, because their relationship is actually a very weird new take. Like obviously things were cut out because everyone sort of knows that Harley, uh, while Harley loves the Joker, the Joker kind of likes Harley, but he doesn't, and he's it's a very ter- it's an absolute terrible relationship uh, that I she said she eventually does get out of. But in this one, it almost feels like it's an equal, it's an equal sort of fascination with one another, which doesn't really happen. Like when you have the flashback scene of her going willingly into the chemicals where she gets her pale skin and everything like that. And the Joker's like, all right, I'm out. And he kind of stops and goes, no. And it goes back to save her, basically. I was like, well, that's weird. And then this whole time, he's hunting her down to have her escape. Which, you know, to me is very strange. Because he's once Harley's been caught, he's like, oh, she, she's on her own. But no, he's like, I have to get her back. I was like, this is oddly honorable of you. And I'm not sure if I like this. It, it kind of feels to me like they took the fandom version of their relationship and ran with it rather than the more uh, realistic version of their relationship. I could definitely see that. And... That makes me kind of like, oh, we're we're if we do get if they do show up in like a Batman film or there is rumor of a Harley uh, just a straight up Harley Quinn film, I'm like is that what we're gonna go with? Are we gonna go with this uh, very fantasized version of it and not exactly what she's gone through in the past and why she is such uh, a high end high end character to a lot of people? And I was like, I don't really like that, but again. 
editing, maybe something else was there, who knows. But if any in any case, we'll, it's one of those things we'll have to either find out in our director's cut, if that ever happens, or in the future, or whatever deleted scenes that may show up on a DVD and or Blu-ray. Yeah, I just I just thought it was. I'm kind of with you where I thought their relationship was was kind of odd. It really just it really to me just felt like somebody read some fan fiction and saw how people sort of idolize that relationship. Um, because sometimes the Joker is nice to Harley, but a lot of times he's not. And they sort of stuck their fingers in their ears and went, la, 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 we're going to pick this version. And that's not a bad thing by any means. It's it's just a different interpretation. Um, just like this version of the Joker was a different interpretation of the Joker. And he wasn't bad by any means. But I, and and this is like my big hang up about the Joker in this is I wasn't afraid of him. And and the Joker should absolutely send chills down your spine. Yeah. He just didn't have that... Or either... Yeah, the oomph wasn't quite there. But um, there is a huge Easter egg. I do love the fact they added into the film was... It's very quick. You blink and you miss it. Of After... I th- they kind of go... They're explaining Harley Quinn's story when she becomes Harley Quinn, and then I think the line was they become the king and queen of Gotham. He's in a tuxedo, and she's in her classic Harley Quinn outfit, and it's a very mm-hmm. brief pause. That is actually basically a live-action version of an Alex Ross painting. Um, nice. That uh, is a very famous Alex Ross painting. You just type in Alex Ross Joker Harley, it's the first thing that pops up in a Google image search. And when I saw that, I was like, ooh! You know, like, it's a nice little Easter egg that makes me that made me kind of like goosebumpy a, li- a bit. You know, like somebody was paying attention. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's, I think. Yeah. I think they they also knew the fans would throw a fit if they didn't get to see Harley in the traditional Harley costume. Well, they, yes, I, I mean we're going to throw a fit no matter what. Uh, we're fans it's like true. that. It's um, true. It's what we do. What do you mean? This is CN and not Royal Blue. You fools! Like, <laughs> I'm going to get a lot of hate mail. Um, I just realized. That. <laughs> It's okay, we're allowed to have opinions, too. <laughs> but yeah, so, I, 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 despite everything and, and how little attention some characters got, I really felt like um, they did all have good chemistry together. I really they, liked seeing these characters on screen together. Yeah, every, every, like, it's one of those movies where the characters do a really good job and the, the actors do a really good job. You know, and you, and you, you kind of wonder, going, well, if they had a better script and, and a better story, what else could we get out of them? Because at no point did I go, like, like saying things for them didn't quite work out, you know? With El Diablo's character having sort of his tragic backstory um, of, of accidentally murdering his family because he couldn't get... Because uh, they got in a fight about his gang life. And that's where he was like, I can't use this power anymore. Uh, until he got, you know, upset a little bit later on. And everyone sort of gets freaked out. And he sort of... And I like... Like, his subplot a little bit, if it was a bit more subtle. But, yeah, everyone seemed to sort of work out. And I like the idea of a villain sort of realizing that he's 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 fucked up. And he wants to... If, the only way he can fix it is just not doing anything anymore. Do it until, obviously, friends, quote-unquote, get into trouble. And then you become a uh, giant flaming demon monster. Which was, by far, probably my favorite scene. Um, if we want to take this time to talk about the effects, because 
Like, I, again, I know very little about the Suicide Squad, and I didn't know anything about El Diablo. And I'm like, oh, okay, he's got fire, big deal, big deal. Because I didn't think any of the fire effects were particularly... I mean, it was like it looked good, but it wasn't particularly exciting. And then it turns into this giant fucking flaming demon thing. Like, with a headdress and shit. And I'm like, holy shit, this just got great. Yeah, like, that's, 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 how, he, that's how he got his powers, basically. Um, and hit and it's because he it's he got him as a child and because he and all this kind of good stuff. But yeah, I was like, I was kind of wondering, like, will they let him go full demon? And then, phew, oh, they're gonna let him go full demon. <laughs> and so but, cool. And 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 the the effects, um, I think were all right because a lot of it was uh, you, you got this like the CGI effects of the big monster and like the machine which was floating debris in the sky. Like that's you know CGI kind of gobbledygook. It, it's there. It's, it's you kind of take it or leave it. But I like the fact that the when they were fighting people, whatever these people were, these sort of zombified people, because you can keep it PG thirteen because they're already dead, but they're zombies, quote unquote. They were actually like people on set. They were fighting, so you got to sort of see them fight somebody. Um, I thought was a was was a better way of doing it because a lot of times people could just be lazy going have them fight some CG monsters real quick or CG demons and it's gonna look a little hokey and things like that. Here there's there's actually people they're sort of and they're reacting to it and everything like that. Um, yeah, so there's I, actual I, I, weight and substance to the things that they're fighting. Yeah, and and it, so I and I think I don't know how they did it. But I like the fact Killer Croc was a mixture of obviously practical and CG effects. So like he was there, you know, it wasn't just it was a you know it was a guy in a suit kind of thing. Um, obviously they had to get him probably see. I know they probably did they probably did CG effects mostly for like they do in Beast and the new X Men films they get sort of a reaction from him and things like that. But having him be there and have him like stand next to a person, you know, definitely felt like I could believe that guy was actually a giant crocodile basically or alligator yeah he felt he felt good like he looked good i just wish i did more with him um even his swimming scenes looked pretty good yeah like which could have been it could have gone totally wrong it could have just looked horrible i think and that's and that's mostly because i think it was they use a lot of close-ups like so that's it's, true. Because like you're, you're you're a guy in a suit, you can only be underwater for like two seconds before that thing fills up with water. Swim as fast as you can. <sighs> okay, good. We'll make a good looking post. We'll make a good looking post. Make sure he can breathe. Make sure he can breathe. Um, but yeah. So but then and then yeah. But like I said, they had the CGI sort of gobbledygook at the end. Now sometimes takes you out, uh, especially big walking brother guy, which made me go, Ugh. like yeah. <laughs> I don't think he looked very good at all. I thought um, the first version of the Enchantress looked really cool. Um, when she was all, like, hunched over and she's got, like, this miasma around her. And that was really cool. But then when she looked a little more Junie, I guess, um, I didn't think it looked quite as good. But that's when all of the, the big CG mess was going on behind her, too. So that's probably a lot of it. A little bit. And then the whole the whole thing was, like, because she didn't have the heart, she wasn't at quote unquote full power. So that so she borrowed power from her brother, kind of thing. So like yeah, so like half power enchantress I, I did like, and full power was kind of like you look a little strange because, and, and and again they're taking a lot. It, it's a lot of she doesn't quite look like that in the comics. So it's, it's me going like someone's looking at at some stuff going. We put a giant headdress on her, 
and then we're good, right? Like, yeah, sure. You're like, all right, we're good. <laughs> so the bikini stays, right? Yeah, perfect, perfect. Yeah. Bikini, giant headdress, good. She'll look tribal. Yeah, and which is which is well, the funny part is is that um, her costume, her original costume, was just green tatters with her cleavage showing. So like, this is actually not that far off. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying she's more covered? No, she's actually she's still less covered than her original costume, but she's still kind of exposed like it's it's weird Com- comics are weird um <laughs> she doesn't have a witch's hat she used to have a witch's hat so i miss the witch's hat that's just, just that's just me uh, <laughs> but in terms of costume wise since we're kind of talking about effects and costumes um outside of the booty shorts of harley everyone looked all right though again joker's costuming is more reminiscent of something i would see from like the dark knight returns or like some frank miller would do other than except when he was in the tuxedo when he was in the tuxedo we looked fantastic i was like (laughs) dude just like that all the time but when he had his sort of keep going back to the tux he was a really good tux um but when he was sort of in his gangster outfits let's just call them what they are gangster outfits or what people think gangsters actually dress like let's actually put it in that context um, it's it again. Uh, it 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 definitely dates him. Like if this movie in the next several years, people are going, oh, uh, obviously this was made in the two thousand because no one actually dresses like that. That looks really fucking weird. And I'm like, you're <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but yeah, the so yeah, I think even like Deadshot looked pretty good. Um, the mask was all right. That was my biggest fear because that mask was going to be very awkward. But I think they realized that after a couple of scenes. They're like, oh, screw it. Just have it take it off and let's see Will Smith's face. Yeah, because obviously Will Smith is immortal and doesn't age. So, of course, you want to put his face on screen. Yeah. Um, but I thought the mask did look pretty cool. He looks but like As a... long as he had the little eyepiece, he was solid. Yeah. He looked, someone said to me, he's like, does anyone else notice he's starting to look like Uncle Phil? And I was like, and so yeah, and that's that's sort of. I mean, we've I mean we've kind of gone around everything about the film. It's it and and it kind of it kind of goes back. It's like oh. you guys are ripping it apart. I'm like yeah, it it because it, there's stuff there you can't ignore it. Actually, um, one of the things that we didn't talk about that we really should while we still have a few more minutes is the music. Oh dear. Um, because the uh, I think one of the things that made suicide. I can't say Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad. So I, I say Suicide Squad. I can't. Um, one of the things that made the film so appealing and what kind of jazzed everybody up um, when the preview started to look really good because they started using really awesome music with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had all these really great songs, um, but they were used in such an odd way. Like, it's. So the the comparison that I keep hearing people make is uh, Suicide Squad's music versus Guardians of the Galaxy because Guardians of the Galaxy took a lot of really popular songs and used them very well. They found a context to use the music, um, made an excuse to have it there. There was singing and dancing all around. It was good times. Um, And a lot of people are saying, well, it looks like Suicide Squad wanted to do that and they had really great songs picked out matched up to the characters but there was again like there was no subtlety with how the music was done so it was literally like the beginning of the movie is going through the dossiers and then okay we're gonna play a song about this and then it's gonna match up with this character and then as soon as we move to the next character we're gonna change the song so everything about the music was super abrupt 
It's it's weird because this is another thing where like I think it's definitely I say 70, 30. 70 pointing out exactly what you're pointing out, and thirty people not minding it so much. Um, and I'm a, and I'll, I'll tell you this: I'm uh, as a for, as a former video editor or kind of a video editor uh, when I used to make my wrestling music videos. I actually made. Uh, uh, music video featuring what's called a, a group of guys basically uh, they call them a stable so all, a group of guys that all hang out and fight alongside under one banner and one name uh, I made a video where I did exactly that where each person I introduced I introduced with a new song and then at the end I had like um, a combination of all, their, all of them together under another song and when I made this I made this several years ago and I showed it to somebody recently because I found it again. Uh, and he goes, you know, it's not a bad concept what you're doing, but you're not giving the songs and the care and what you're trying to show off time to breathe. You're you're sort of uh, you're 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 blinding your audience kind of thing or deafening them in this case since you're using the music. So you get them jazzed up and you immediately change. So they're like, oh, that was kind of cool, but who is that guy? What are they doing again? Oh, hey, here's a new song. So it's sort of the exact same thing that happened here. Um, I don't want to make the comparison because I, I, I understand the comparison, but I'm going to sort of, I'm judging Suicide Squad based on itself and on its own merits without comparing it to Guardians or any other movie or any other comic movie that has used songs like that in the past. But that's basically what happened. It's a cool concept, but if you don't use it properly, it doesn't get the effect that you want. Right, so it's, it's the kind of, it had some really great tunes. I really want to just go out and buy the soundtrack, but it it just didn't work as effectively as I think they thought they were going to get out of it. But they did choose really good music for it. Right, yeah, no, I agree with that. And hey, guess what, Kat? You're talking about a movie soundtrack, something you say you never pay attention to, unless I, I guess it's it... completely, like, abrupt. <laughs> well, it's typically the score that I don't pay much attention to, and I'm trying to pay more attention to the scores lately. Um, ah, don't worry I've... about it. Only Gonzo and I really care about that stuff. <laughs> um, I care, just not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you, so here we go again with what I sort of complained about earlier, about, hey, see this guy in this film coming up later. And it's now a tradition to have, like, mid-scene credits and stuff like that, oh, yeah. or end-scene credits. So this one actually had an end-scene credit with actually a scene I really liked because I liked the composition between Amanda Waller from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie. Like, the beginning of the movie, she's full of confidence and all, good, and all like, energy. At the end of the movie, she's just been through shit, but she still has the confidence behind her. So, again, spoilers if you haven't seen the film. Another couple of seconds for you to wait. Right there, you go. That's your warning. She's talking to Bruce Wayne, or in this case, Ben Affleck, and Ben. And she's basically saying, "Listen, I need this covered up because if this gets out, things are gonna be bad for me." Notice that for me again, that <laughs> self-preservation. And he goes, "I can do that if you have what I want." And she hands over a top secret file with obviously the Suicide Squad. Plus, you see little quick things of Flash and Aquaman. And I just like when he gets up to leave and she has her, you know, her glass of wine. It's like, you know, Bruce, you look tired. Maybe you should stop working nights. I was like, oh, she knows. (laughs) (laughs) So great. I did love that scene. I don't like the idea of Waller knowing uh, Batman's secret identity. 
um, because she's an exploitive, manipulative, grade A mega bitch. But um, it was just such a great little jab that I took it and loved it anyway. Yeah, and now I'll, I'll also point out a lot of people have sort of complained because, uh, like, well, if, if Bruce Wayne has the email files from Batman versus Superman, why doesn't he need files from the government for Aquaman and uh, Flash? And I have to sort of, again, this is continuity sucks, but I'm going to point out that from what I gathered from Batman v Superman in those uh, coming attraction email that he got, which is what it was, that all he got was video of stuff. He didn't actually get any information. So, at least now he has a name to a couple of these characters. Plus, he's getting those out of the government's hand. Because the government doesn't like keeping things like that on computer file, but paper file, yes. So now he's like, now I have the file. So, they, so that's a weird sort of explanation. And again, it's... By the way, you know we're filming a, a Justice League movie? Yes, we know. <laughs> Have we mentioned lately yeah. that we really, really, really want to do what Marvel did? Yeah, it's like, it's like yes, we, we're, like we're still, we're, and, and and as much as people will complain about said films, we go see it because I guess we hate ourselves. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm gonna obviously I'm gonna go see it again. Well, not Suicide. I'll obviously see Justice League because because uh, why the fuck not at this point? I've invested this much. Might as well just go the whole nine yards. That's, yeah, that they're... sounded really salty. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I thought the, uh, the the trailers for Wonder Woman looked all right, and the trailer for Justice League actually looked pretty good. Well, um, I'll, I'll, rem- we... I'll remind people that that wasn't really a trailer. This is just, hey, this is stuff we filmed so far. Yeah, sorry, the preview for yeah. the trailer for the whatever. <laughs> for whatever uh, the, the clip show. Yeah, the clip show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But but now after Suicide Squad, I'm really really even more wary than I was before because the Suicide Squad had such great trailers and people were getting all amped up for it and it looked like it was going to be great and then um, it really just did not do so well. It's making a ton of money, but the uh, the reaction has not been overall positive one. So now I'm sort of worried about Justice League about how they're going to try and be more marvelly and be more upbeat and fun and energetic and make more jokes and see how that worked out for Suicide Squad. Well, so. we still have... So so I think a lot of... Now, the pressure, I thought, is not on Justice League. The pressure is, unfortunately, on Wonder Woman, um, which I'll... When, I think we're going to have a Wonder Woman anniversary show eventually, and I'll talk more in depth about the movie and how the trailer looked, but... It's just it, the pressure's on her now, and I feel really bad. And I hope it, you know, it does do well. They had a good reaction. Everything seems to be okay. There was a trailer. There was a mini trailer. They didn't show everything in front of my theater uh, of Wonder Woman before it happened. Uh, but so it's just it just seems like the pressure gets moved in one film to the next film, and unfortunately, it, uh, hopefully, it doesn't you know break the everything. You know, I don't want to have another Amazing Spider-Man two situation where. We're setting all this stuff up. Well, no, not anymore. We're going to try again. You're like, well, shit. <laughs> gonna... God damn. Like, like uh, I, I was showing a comic about, like, you know, they're going to reboot the Spider-Man franchise in our lifetime. I'm like, please don't. Hey, we're rebooting the Spider-Man franchise. I'm like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, so that's see, that's my biggest fear. So I don't want another Amazing Spider-Man 2 situation. Well, here's to hoping. <laughs> um... And that is really all the time that we have for this episode of Nerd to the Third Power. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. We do appreciate all few of you listeners. 
Um, I don't know what our next topic is because I've completely forgotten, but I'm sure it'll be awesome. And uh, until then, as always, I'm the cat. I'm Brian. And that's it for today. Taka, play us out. Taka, play us out.